This is Back to Debbie, the only Debbie podcast brought to you by Campus Academy. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And if you want to check out last week's episode, you can witness a Canadian get revenge on Aaron Hernandez and murder an American live on air. All right. It was truly devastating and sad. Okay. And, and Corey, if you if you ever if you ever do that shit ever again, I'll I'll stop making show sheets. I mean, it's, it's, it isn't even that bad. I've been clearly giving you way too much time to write rebuttals <laughs> behind scenes. It was literally Chip Kelly's last quarterback. He did, I didn't have to go very far to find the, the last one. <laughs> Whatever. All right, let's just go forward. On, on today's episode, we're doing a rankings versus ADP. And, of course, we're doing our two-player profiles for the 2023 class, spring news. And lastly, we're going to do a little intro into what is Devi. It, it is Canvas Canton Month. We are uh, getting new subscribers to the site. It's kind of what happens a lot in March for us. But we want to let new listeners know and explain what is Devi. What is it short for? But first, Corey with the news. Yeah, so ramping up a lot more spring news coming in now. Uh, heading first over to Tennessee, where we have uh, Nico Yamalieva, who we've often called Slenderman for being listed at, at about around 185 pounds or something like that. He's up to 205, apparently, according to uh, Tennessee's new weigh-in. And we also have running back. And yes, I said running back. Cameron Selden uh, shaved down about five pounds from where he was initially listed at 215. Uh, but the biggest news of the day comes from Josh Heupel, who said they would start Selden in the back. Backfield. Um, they said they will slowly ramp up his work to the outside as well, give him a few reps uh, out wide as well. Um, but they best believe he's best suited uh, in the backfield first. He, it, that's going to make him the next potential guy on that kind of uh, Antonio Gibson, uh, Raheem Sanders, um, David Johnson type spectrum. Going to be a really interesting guy, probably a top five running back, I think, for me and Mike now. Um, Ooh, over- let's go, Cam. <laughs> running, running back, Cam. You did it. You did it, big guy. Uh, heading over to to California now, um, where the running game over there has been getting really rave reviews, really has a chance to be the strength of this team. Uh, quarterback Sam Jackson getting a lot of hype running the read option over there. Uh, Jaden Ott is having a very strong camp as well. Apparently, he apparently went for like 140 yards and two touchdowns last week. Uh, Byron Cardwell is showing out a little bit, but he's having a little bit of an up and down camp right now. Um, showed out one day. The next day, he turned the ball over twice, um, lost a lot of snaps to it. And the other running back there, Austin Stredrick, something like that. Uh, so he's kind of had an up and down camp, but he is in contention for that running back two role. Uh, our guy from last year, Justin Williams, Thomas, he's out for spring. I finally read. So he's not in contention right now to really get any playing time. Um, heading over to Texas rave reviews around the freshman phenoms, John T. Cook and Cedric Baxter, uh, reportedly drawing a lot of attention through the first week of practice. Um, Xavier worthy and newly converted wide receiver, uh, turned running back Savion Red have also been cited as two other offensive standouts among the group. And just a little bit of injury news there as well. Isaiah Nayor has returned to practice off the ACL last year. And quarterback Malik Murphy has also returned to practice, which effectively bumped Arch Manning back down to the third team. Uh, heading over to Ohio State, you freshman wide receiver Noah Rogers has been singled out by Brian Hartline and Ryan Day as the most impressive freshman wide receiver so far. Um, so that's a name to definitely keep an eye on. Heading over to Bama, you've also got um, running back Roydell Williams, who's going to start spring on the sidelines. Could return at some point, but that should help our boy Jam Miller win that number two job. Maybe push for that number one job like you think he might be able to. Um, heading over to Colorado, um, where they're seeing a lot of turnover, obviously, this year with with Prime heading in there to, to coach them. And Shadir Sanders is showing a strong connection with Travis Hunter. Um, he's made some big plays at wide out during the first practice as well. So they're kind of kind of showboating right now. Hopefully we see Travis Hunter stay on offense a little bit more uh, heading over to Oregon State. 
got freshman quarterback Aiden Childs is generating a lot of buzz. Apparently the only quarterback who has thrown like touchdowns in practice so far, according to Matt Bruning. So uh, that's pretty funny right now. I don't know how long DJU can hold on to that job. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and over at Minnesota, um, wide receiver room lost a couple of guys in Mike Brown, Stevens and Dylan Wright, who are no longer on the team. That kind of opens the door for one of your favorite sleepers in Elijah Spencer, who went over there. So maybe an opportunity there for him. And last but not least, um, we had Missouri who had their spring game this past week, no public or anything. It was moved inside due to weather. Um, no real standout at quarterback, uh, but Cook is obviously out. We had Jason Garcia, um, kind of, I mean, Jake Garcia had some up and down moments, kind of shined a little bit, but the real star of the show was a wide receiver, Luther Burden, who apparently had a huge game and is lining himself up for a monster season. Uh, if you guys want any more spring news, be sure to keep it locked on the C2C podcast and YouTube channels and check out our very own Matt Bruning as he keeps you up to date with his spring reports on YouTube about every third day or so. Um, and be sure to head over to canvascan.com, become a member today if you aren't already we've already rolled out the one-of-a-kind freshman supplemental guide uh we have we have the debbie guide and cff guides coming your way this offseason there's loads of offseason content over there covering the draft in the spring so get over there now become a member and get the leg up on all your league mates all right let's head on over to our player profiles uh this week we're going to be talking about byu wide receiver puka nakua and oklahoma state nope Oklahoma, no Oklahoma State, just Oklahoma running back Eric Gray. Sorry, I mispronounced that, Corey. It's it's Eric Gray. So yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we'll start off with Puka Nakua. It's, he's a he's a my guy for me. Six foot one, two hundred six. Senior Bowl invite this last year for receiving forty eight receptions, six hundred twenty five yards, and five touchdowns, and then for rushing, twenty five attempts for two hundred and nine yards and five touchdowns very productive there uh he did start off the year injured didn't really get full reps until week seven so most of his damage came from just six weeks of football and that's a really productive six weeks of football i mean that's almost 100 scrimmage yards a game a little over that and he just shows off a nice versatile skill set i think i talked to him about him i talked about him with austin uh weeks and weeks ago i think it was actually in season I do think Puka could be a starting flanker for an NFL team. As far as what fantasy goes, though, maybe a spot start flex option. Uh, but no one you're going to be counting on week in and week out. Like, I, I do think his skill set is similar to a um, like a like a Kendrick Bourne from the Patriots. Uh, but no, I, I think he's he's been doing very well in this offseason. Well, I don't really know how to say very well. He showed up one day to the Senior Bowl, looked fantastic. I mean, he had a connection with Jaron Hall, so like let, let's throw that out there. But he's making sideline grabs, showing off fantastic receiver play. But getting separation, showing some faster feet than what you saw on tape in film. Uh, just had a phenomenal day one, and then his agent pulled him. That's it. Just one day the Senior Bowl. And as a Puka fan, I would have liked to see a little bit more than just one day of that. And then he goes to the combine, and all he does is weigh in and then peace out. So a lot of mystery in this offseason. Usually when players are dodging stuff like this they've either gotten word that teams really love them or they're being defended or hidden from the world from from messing something up so i i don't know which way to go obviously i'm gonna be a little biased here i'm gonna say that i think i think he could be a really sneaky 
day two option here for an NFL team that believes in his versatile skill set. But again, as a player, he's he's not like a real big route runner. I never really thought he was phenomenal footwork. He's more of an athlete than anything. He has great straight line acceleration. Lateral agility is really not extremely there. But as a yak threat, like, I mean, he was used on 25 attempts for 209 yards and five touchdowns. Like, he is a great runner after the, after the catch. He's a great yak threat. Uh, don't don't be calling him the next Debo. He's not that big. He's not that level of athlete either. But I, I think I think he can be a very cheap version of a player like that. Uh, yeah, he's not a guy that I've I've followed super closely. Um, I know you and a few others have liked him a lot as a sleeper in this class as well. Uh, I do enjoy uh, the versatility he brings as well. Saw a lot of usage out of the backfield, um, usually on those jet sweeps. Did did pretty well with them as well. A lot of yards after uh, after the. Um, after contact and after the catch as well um good junior season almost thousand yards from from scrimmage got dinged up this past year uh, as well but obviously still put up pretty strong numbers slight dip in efficiency from the year before as well i think you know when you're talking about the kind of athlete he was i've kind of found that he didn't always gain a ton of separation but he did win with with superior leverage a lot of the times you saw him adjusting to the balls downfield even if he was in tight coverage um strong hands at the catch point as well pretty uh, a decent drop rate i think somewhere around seven percent if i remember correctly has some elusiveness too many open field not a great lateral mover like you said but he likes to hit that spin move if you ever watch his tape um hits you with a nice jump cut every once in a while um we never really got to see how he would have tested but I don't know if I think he's much of a speed guy, maybe more of a build-up speed guy. I don't know if I particularly think he's, he's quick off the line. Um, but I think what you're getting with this guy is a versatile asset, um, can win in a lot of different ways, uh, won't be scheme-dependent, whether you want to like throw him out wide, uh, throw him in the slot, or put him in a gadget role, even if that's just the way you wanted to do him. Uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, I still view him as a bit more of a depth-wide receiver. Um, he's coming in around wide receiver 16 for me currently. I know that you have a little bit more hope, um, but I'm kind of expecting day through capital for him. Yeah, I, I think that would be safe. I, I'm just, yeah, I am a little more bullish. I'm, I think this is more like because I'm lowering everybody else there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot to also mention he was a non-year one zero. He was a top 20 recruit. Uh, Washington transferred to BYU. Yep, yep. Uh, so, which is, you know, just a little plus there. But yeah, yeah I think that's that's fine. Like wide receiver three for an offense. I really think that's his position in an NFL offense like a nice reliable wide receiver three all right let's let's go on though let's move on to eric gray tennessee transfer going to oklahoma five foot ten to 11 213 rushing attempts 1366 yards and 11 touchdowns also had 33 receptions for 229 yards and zero receiving touchdowns eric gray started out with tennessee had a phenomenal year looked i mean he looked excellent in the open field you know kind of like how people were talking about uh like KW3 last year. I really thought like that's how it looked in the open field. Goes to Oklahoma and then and then just kind of disappeared for a year. Like absolutely struggled. Then they asked him to do a little bit more and he just couldn't couldn't do much behind the line of scrimmage. But obviously this year he cleans a lot of that up. He will be in my top 15, because I don't know how far I kind of went into this, but he will be one of the older running backs coming out this year, 23 years years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Corey, you're you're a big fan of Eric Gray. So what do you think about Eric Gray? Yeah, I mean, if you guys haven't noticed, this is kind of like, I guess, our a uh, little bit of a My Guy show. De- definitely two lower guys that we're talking about here, but kind of sleeper profiles that we like. And with Eric Gray, that's kind of my guy here. This is someone that a lot of Devi guys have been following for a while, right? Very, uh, very exciting, uh, highly rated prospect when he went to Tennessee. Um, and this was the Tennessee before Josh Heupel. I, I just want to add that. So it wasn't the same Tennessee you see, it's, you see today that put up all, the, all those crazy numbers. It was more of a struggle back then. But he did manage to break out as a true freshman, um, proved his numbers the following year 
there as well. And then like you were talking about, what goes to Oklahoma, that's still when Lincoln Riley is there. Lincoln Riley, for some reason, pigeonholes him as this pass, this pass catching back. He doesn't use him on the ground very much. Um, only uses him as this, this change of pace. And then Lincoln Riley leaves and Venables comes in and all of a sudden Eric Gray adds a 10 extra pounds, becomes the lead back this year, finally gets the workload. We've kind of always wanted to see, right? Um, it still maintained that athleticism as well. It was a, was a big play threat over 10% of his rushes going for over 15 yards. Um, still twitchy and fast too. forced 58 missed tackles, which was 11th in the class. Um, very sudden mover, able to stop and start with ease, uh, showcases some nasty cutting ability and, and protects the ball too. Only one fumble uh, last year and with his biggest workload to date. So that's something you like, you like to see the versatility caught over a hundred balls in college as well. Um, so he has a lot of these nice things in his profile. Um, as far as negatives, um, I still don't think he's ever going to be like a pile pusher, uh, for, like power running back. Um, there's going to be questions about his inconsistencies as well until kind of his last year. He's probably a little quicker than a pure burner in terms of speed as well. Um, had some really iffy moments in pass protection as well. And like you mentioned, the age as well. But uh, but given how good his profile actually looks analytically, aside from the age, you know, given the dual threat abilities, how he looked this past year, the production every every year, he really strikes me as, as a sleeper in this class if he can get into the right situation. There's, there was a a lot of things we liked about him early on and because of one weird year with Lincoln Riley there we want to hold it against him so hard but he was really he's really been pretty good for a lot of his years so he's kind of got this little bit of a dollar store DeAndre Swift to him when I watch him so I've got him at running back 11 right now um, and it's a very deep class because that's I, I like him and that still feels like a fairly low number so I, I think he could climb if he gets some surprising draft capital. I, I immediately have not looked deep into him. I've kind of already – I wasn't a big fan of him coming out of Tennessee. I, as I said, I yeah. thought he struggled. And in, he was he was small LOS. too, which is something that yes. we don't like. But, but again, right, we yeah, saw yeah. the added weight, which was nice. Yeah. Which was nice, yeah, and disappeared. Uh, Kennedy Brooks was the early down back during his disappearing year. Kennedy Brooks was, I think, a UDFA uh, for the Eagles. Yeah. I know he went to the Eagles. Uh, but he was just an early down banger. He wasn't anything special. So um, – he he's just a guy to me that he checks all the boxes off. Like he he checks all the boxes, but I don't think he has a super high ceiling. That's kind mm-hmm. of how I talk about like Roshan Johnson. So I I think like worst case scenario, he's maybe like a backup handcuff role, and then you get to spot start him depending on well, running backs always get hurt. So you'll you'll be able to spot start him like one or two or three games there. Uh, but rotational piece is definitely like in the in the view too. I, I have him as like I think I want to say RB thirteen. So we're really close to each other. You know, he's like you're my guy for you, but. Yeah, but it's yeah. A, it's such a deep class, man. I just like I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I, I I think if he does get some surprising capital, it'll be an excuse to kind of push him up for me. But I am a little bit worried about him. He's a guy who hasn't really gotten a lot of buzz for some reason this cycle. Yeah, and then like for me, uh, like draft strategy for rookie drafts, I snag I nag all the backup running backs in the third, yeah. the fourth round, third and fourth just hammer start, running backs. Yeah, yeah, and then they start one game, and I'm selling them like Khalil yeah. for a second. Anybody like Khalil yeah. for a second? <laughs> You know, so that's that's what I do with it. But uh, yeah, so he'll have a role in the future. These running backs tend to. Uh, let's get into our next topic here. Let's talk about like what is Devi. So I found out I can't remember how, but I I remember asking someone what Devi stood for. No one and they didn't know. And I thought to myself like, what what does Twitter think Devi stands for? Uh, so I, I put it on Twitter. I did go through our Discord first, and those guys are usually more familiar with college football. So. Uh, the final poll had 1,333 votes, and I'm rounding here, but it was 60% knew what Debbie was short for, and the other 40% did not. So I imagine that number would have been probably flipped if there wasn't put in our Discord. Mm-hmm. But um, 
just getting into it, Devi is short for developmental. It's a developmental league. Uh, your manager's mm-hmm. quote unquote developing college talent into your NFL roster. Uh, so I'm going to have Corey tell you guys what a traditional Devi league is. Yeah, so an old school straight up Devi league is actually, you know, pretty straightforward process. Uh, it follows all the basic rules of your traditional NFL fantasy leagues, except before uh, or maybe following your NFL startup draft or maybe in some cases combined into the same draft in some of those special leagues. You have what's called a Devi draft, which consists of college players uh, ranging from incoming freshmen uh, all the way to players in their last year of eligibility. Uh, these drafts are usually about five to 10 rounds, uh, depending on how deep your league wants to be. And these players sit on a taxi squad of sorts, you know, where they don't score any points for you, but they become your pipeline for new talent into your NFL roster. So obviously you want to pick the guys that you feel most confidently in will make the jump to the NFL. You're, you're essentially owning rookies before their draft year. So when they get drafted, they make the jump from your taxi squad to your regular roster, which like really puts an emphasis on identifying talent you believe in because we don't have the benefit of draft capital. We don't have the benefit of a landing spot. It makes it a little bit more of a difficult process, a little bit of a more difficult legal requires you to do a little more research. Right. Um, the good thing is, you know, these, these trade, uh, these players are fully tradable. So if you get a freshman, you drafted, you want to flip them for an NFL asset the next year, you want to hit the reset button, um, sell your NFL assets for college ones. You can always do that. So having a basic knowledge, of college football is probably important because if you don't set your up, you set yourself up with a decent pipeline, um, it can become a lot more difficult for you to, to claw your way out of a hole in a league like this. So um, very fun leagues and, and really puts a nice challenge to somebody who's looking for something above a, a dynasty league, someone who's ready to take the next step. Similar to Canvas Canley's, it really rewards people that do their own research, right? It's fine if you want to like if you just got like the number one five star wide receiver the last like six years, you're gonna be really disappointed. I mean, that's like Justin Shorter, like Julian Fleming. Like it's a pretty big list of a graveyard. It did something to work out, uh, but you know, it usually doesn't. So uh it, it rewards people that do their own scouting and their own their own research. And I'm just gonna tie it into uh how does Devi like kind of tie into campus to Canton leagues? Uh campus Canton leagues are a mix of of college football and and uh, your dynasty football, you know, you, you have your own college team, you draft your college players, you got your draft your freshmen. That's your, like your supplemental draft. And you also draft all the free agency. And then they, when they go to the NFL, you, they just transition right to your dynasty league. But when it comes to like startup drafts and, and your supplemental drafts, usually the first thought process is what player has pro potential. You know, you don't go for the obscure G five guy that you think is going to put up big numbers for one year. Like you kind of target those guys a little bit later. You want to target guys that are going to help you on your NFL roster. So when we talk Debbie, uh, we're not just talking about like the top 50 players. Cause that's kind of like traditional what Debbie is, but we go a little bit deeper than that because in C to C leads, you're drafting for 45 rounds. I mean, yeah, everybody wants to top tier Debbie talent, but at some point in time, you got to like, you know, look at Auburn, who's a SEC school, and be like, well, who's going to be the wide receiver one in two or three years? And, and take your shot on someone like Camden Brown. And, you know, and then you get, like, super excited because Camden Brown's killing it, news is great, and, you know, you're super excited that that pick now has value. Stuff like that. Anyway, you, you shoot from deep. Why are you smiling at me? It's, it's, <laughs> Any excuse to fit Camden Brown in the conversation? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of, a, like, mid-tier talent. Like, I'm sure Joe Burrow back in the day wasn't, like, a high high pick, and then he came out to be, like, a super stud. You can find guys yeah. deep and get super pumped about how they work out. Jalen Hyatt, for the program I'm in, he was undrafted. 
someone picked him oh, up yeah. off the waivers, which was I mean, we were, crazy. we were talking about him like last year, like cutting him from like our Debbie rankings when we were yeah. putting them together. We just weren't sure where he was going to go, but, but yeah, you, you know, I, I really do think prioritizing Debbie early on in campus to can leads is important. Cause now as I was talking about before, how it can get difficult to climb out of a hole. Now you're talking about 45 players in it, that you're going to, that each team owns. You're going to be lucky if any rookie draft the following year is going to even have one or two to, to, to three good players in the draft. So, building this pipeline early and that means you know taking shots on freshmen earlier ones who may not put points up on your college side or something like that but making sure you have the pipeline ready for the next guys at those power five schools with good size good athleticism good situations at blue chip programs you know guys who are going to walk into those big roles we've seen succeed in the past those are the things you want to target early in those campus canton leagues because if you don't build a pipeline you're going to screw yourself over on the nfl side and really really have a hard time building out of that hole you can get productive g5 guys or you know guys who might just be a little too old for for the nfl but can still be productive on your roster. you can get those guys later fill your roster build them up and still have a competitive roster but make sure you're focusing on those Devi guys early yes cff value varies so it's so volatile it's yeah. so volatile i you shouldn't predict it you should just wait for the camp news and take those guys and honestly campus life this week actually talked about drafting supplemental guys so they kind of hit on that and just go listen to them for that but but that's that's how Debbie plays a part into campus can leagues. And I've been asking questions in the Slack a lot, getting no response except for from Corey. So Corey, <laughs> we do appreciate you on that. <laughs> I got you. Because <laughs> yeah, last year we did it, we did the Debbie after the first time. I hop on the call. Matt Bruning is running the meeting and he's like, Oh, where do you have where do you have Kishan Boutte? And I'm like, Oh, he's he's uh he's tier one. Like I didn't do tiers before. And then yeah, Austin's like, No, he's tier zero. And I'm like, what 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 the F is this guy on? Tier zero. <laughs> you know, no, nah, I feel a little stupid. Anyway, uh, but ever since then, I like go down a rabbit hole of overthinking, uh, like what are tiers, what are appropriate tiers, how am I gonna how am I ranking players? And I then I think about I think about how does the industry like rank players? Cause I think a lot of people, I'm making an assumption here, 100 percent pure assumption. I think a lot of people just do Devi assuming draft capital, which is a very important piece of the puzzle for for relevance for almost every single position group out there, uh, which I do think is a, an important part. But like the way I rank personally is that there there are guys that I, I think are long, long shot day two guys that I will rank above the players that I think are almost guaranteed day two draft capital, but I, I have no belief in them actually being like fantasy relevant at the pro level. You know, because we talk about like, I'm just gonna use Hyatt. Like we, we talk about Hyatt, and and he we're probably we're pretty positive he's guaranteed draft capital. He's a great analytical player. When we look at the film, no one's excited. Not a single person's excited about what he really is as a player on film. And so I'd rather take longer shots on people and and take them over over that just because I I believe in that. That's kind of like how I rank players. But Corey is a different different way of doing it. And Corey, just let me know how you rank players. Yeah, you know the whole tier thing for me really is like during in season and for a lot of the off season while we're kind of building our rankings i'm not a guy who, who who plays with tiers that much i rank everybody individually i move them all fluidly around while i'm trying to lock things in. and then when things come like a draft comes then i lock things in then i take a look at where guys are i might move one guy into a tier be like oh that guy should be more beside that that guy or whatever you know that's when tiers really come into me but for me the i think like i i looked at this when yeah when i saw that you had this question i broke it down into like like some sections here for me when, when I'm ranking, right? I think part of my process, uh, the first step, I think I you build a Devi profile, you know, things like size, 
recruitment ranking, the program they're going to, the, the level of success they've had at that program, level of competition, um, athleticism, and maybe even age in some cases, right? That's kind of like the Devi profile, right? And you go on to things like production if they have it, if you're not looking at freshmen. You know, how early was that production? How late was it? What's the context for that production? Did it come from injury? Was he a man amongst boys? Was there a QB injury, you know, et cetera? You know, the level you got of that production. dog in them, bro. Got that yeah, dog. exactly. You know, the level of production. Was it raw stats? How did they produce relative to their team and situation? Was it good market share numbers, even if the raw stats weren't good? Those are things that I look at too. And then I think me and you will agree on this one, which is a big thing for me is projection, whether it'd be projecting a guy into a productive vacancy that's opened up because some guy left or something uh, projecting guy off his raw traits that we like, kind of like when we're looking at freshmen um, in hopes that, you know, we're kind of drafting NFL assets or, you know, looking at slower and smaller players and realizing the projection to the next level is going to be an uphill battle. That's, that's an important piece. But I think the biggest piece for me is always going to come down to the film. And, you know, I, I have to see how physical a guy is, his movement skills, the versatility he has on tape, the, you know, quarterbacks, the decision making, you know, the, the mental processing. I have to see those things. I truly believe I have to dive into a player's film. Uh, and I in order to properly and confidently talk about a player, uh, I have to look into their film. Um, and it's when their film especially lines up with things like the profile and the production and some of the other things I can think, those are when I end up with very, very high-ranking players, you know? So that's kind of how my ranking process works out when I'm kind of evaluating everybody. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm huge on projecting players. I think that's just underrated. Yeah, I really do. Like, I don't think – I don't think predicting yeah. draft capital is that hard. My, my first year – doing analytical stuff. I compared my uh, end of season rankings to Mel Kuyper's like, you know, first mock draft and his first ranking sheet. And I, I looked at it back then. I felt draft. And I was like, dude, this guy hit on like six of 15 wide receivers. And I hit on like 10 and it wasn't like, you know, you know who the first rounders are. It's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. This guy like missed on all. Anyways, I thought, I thought drafting was kind of dumb there, but anyway, yeah. Uh, I, I think projecting is, is really important. And I, I think it's a little bit underrated too. Cause I, I do think there's guys that, you know, you can say, oh, he might get day two draft capital. Okay, but what if he does? Do you really think he's going to be, you know, a, a stud at the next level? Well, no, but he'll play a role. That's fine. He can play a role. That's good. That's good for NFL. I'm, I'm happy for the NFL team. I'm happy for that fan base. But, like, this is a fancy yeah. podcast. And so there's guys, there's guys who will aggressively project somebody like like to a d- decent spot, and there's guys who will just say, "No, I haven't seen anything. I will not rank this guy uh, aggressively because I haven't seen it yet, and I need to see it in order to rank him properly." And that is something that I think is a is kind of a big problem in ranking because you have to be able to kind of see the future a little bit, get ahead, and rank these guys a little bit before the breakout happens. Yeah, you don't want to be reactionary. You want you want to be proactive. That's how you win your leagues too. When you kind of trade for players. That you're like, all right, I think, I think, I think Chris Bell is going to outperform Kevin Coleman and be the next hot thing in Louisville with Jeff Brom. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to go pay up a little bit for Chris Bell. He's probably actually in a lot of people's waivers right now. So, yeah. but, <laughs> but it's something like that, you know, so you want to project forward. Uh, now let's get into it, Corey. Let's get into our main part of our show tonight. ADP versus ranking. So PJ here at Kim Skin, he runs all of our mock drafts. He's currently trying to fill us some. So if you're interested in mock drafting, which is an educational tool, don't think you got to be a, a draft wizard or whatever. Mock drafts are meant to be educational, but we use that for our ADP. And so if you guys want to go ahead and reach out to at Dynasty PJ, he's setting up mock drafts right now. But get back to the show here. PJ does all of our mock drafts. That's how we acquire our ADP data. Uh, so, so far for this all season, it is a small sample size. There's only been four complete mocks. I know there's at least one running right now. I want to say there's more than that, but 
just for mocks. We're a little bit early. We're in the beginning of spring, so we'll probably do one of these probably later again too before the season starts. But uh, and these mock drafts are a mix of analysts in the industry and fans, so you kind of have a nice a nice mixture there. And so we wanted to do a comparison of rankings between like what we have in ADP. We're not comparing ourselves to the other Debbie rankers, which are Austin Nance and Colin Decker, but we're going to go by position group. We're going to do two guys that were higher on than ADP. And then we're going to do two guys that were lower on compared to ADP. And then we're going to be going by positional group too. Corey, you want to start us off with uh, with quarterback here, someone that you're higher on than ADP? Sure, yeah, I'll start here, and we know the quarterback landscape is pretty barren right now, especially once you get past, like, that first round of guys, second round of guys. It starts to get a lot of guys you're kind of putting a lot of hope on. Um, but the one guy that, I, uh, that I've that i kind of been a little bit higher on, I'm kind of surprised the ADP is as, as far down as it is, but that's Washington uh, quarterback Michael Penix. Um, his ADP right now is quarterback 23. My ranking of him is quarterback 15. So almost about a good 10 spots higher there. This is a guy that I kind of following since his freshman years at Indiana. Uh, my first podcast ever, actually, my co-host um, was a big fan of his as a freshman. He was actually an IU grad, um, so followed him pretty closely. But, you know, the health was always a problem with, with him. Um, never really stayed healthy. I think last season might have been the first time he actually started and finished a complete season. And it, it was a great season all around. Uh, you had Kalen DeBoer bring his system there. Um, only passed for like under 300 yards or in three games um, through for the most yards in the power five, a good size, good arm strength to the position. He can still stand to improve some mechanics. He's that dreaded lefty quarterback as well, but I think he could be a sneaky guy. He might see some nice draft capital. Maybe he can sneak into the back of the first round within their strong year. And I think he might be in contention for the back of the first round in rookie drafts as well. I mean, the quarterback competition in 2024, it's pretty barren right now. No, I'm with you there. It's it's about like two guys at the top, and then we have like two strong babies and Quinn and and Kyle McCord. Um, I hey, do don't I'm, leave out my boy DJ McCarthy. He's in that conversation. <laughs> we'll talk about him in a little bit. <laughs> uh, no, I I I am a little bit out on Michael Penix. I'm really generally out on on six year quarterbacks, unless, except for the hashtag unfinished business. I do actually believe in that a little bit. So like. I'm not saying in on Bo Nix, but I get why he went back, and I and I get why Michael Penix went back too, because he he probably is pretty high in Heisman contending right now. Yeah, I, but I think the main thing, considering at least those two options, was Bo Nix played and was bad. Michael Penix is just injury related, been hurt. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one thing that kind of puts him a little bit higher for me than at least Bo Nix. But yeah, I get what you're saying though. I got you. Did you did you state the ADP by the way for this player? Or no? I did. Yes, he's quarterback twenty three right now. I have him as quarterback fifteen. Nice. Yeah. I think I have him in the same neighborhood. I am a little bit worried about him being a lefty. There's just not too many mm-hmm. successful lefties at the NFL level, but that's fine. Uh, a player that I am higher on than consensus here. I went with someone that wasn't drafted at all in the first 10 rounds. Uh, that's going to be um, Texas tech quarterback, Baron Morton. He's not drafted. I have him as QB 25 right now. So not like a huge endorsement, uh, but he's got pedigree. I think he's got decent size. He has a air raid system that's going to throw the ball 60-plus times. Uh, he did get on the field a little bit last year. He didn't look particularly great, but I, I really think that it's more of a it's a new system. I think these guys are trying to get caught up to what Kitley's doing. I think that he's a nice – he has a very clear pathway to opportunity. He has a nice system. He's playing his Power 5 competition. This offense kept, I want to say, a one-score game in like – they played like seven or six ranked opponents and they kept it all like almost all of it one score, which was pretty impressive for what they are as a program. So I'm just excited to see how he grows over probably 
probably the next two, three years. I think he's probably not coming out next year. But uh, Baron Morton's a guy that I, I do want on my roster. I, at least he's going to put up numbers. Maybe he gets some draft capital. I mean, they put a Bailey Zappi into the fourth round. I mean, I feel like Baron Morton can get that too. If, if that's how <laughs> yeah, that's constantly the guy like we're always talking about. Now. We're like, man, they, they they drafted Bailey Zappi in the fourth. They could draft anybody. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, one week people were saying he's the he's the new Tom Brady. They're like, oh man, the Patriots got the new Tom Brady already. I mean, there there's was, people like, even talking preseason. Where, uh, there was people in preseason talking about they're not convinced on Mac Jones. They liked a lot what they saw in Zappi, and Zappi could be the guy. So yeah, he's he's yeah. the poster boy for this kind of stuff now really but um yeah, yeah no yeah. i agree i do agree with you though i actually i don't i can't remember where i have him ranking i have to pull it up but i'm not going to do that right now um but uh i do have him ranked at least decently guy colin decker's talked about a lot um they, i know they got tyler shuck there right now and he's never been super impressive to me uh i think he's lined up to be the starter at least but i wouldn't be i know morton got in there for a little bit last year maybe he pushes him a little bit more um good athletic quarterback as well. So um, we'll see if we can kind of push for some time here. I'll, I will go on to the guy that my next guy that I am higher on. And I'm also taking So unfortunately, you know, with the four mocks are the guy, the number of guys drafted within 10 rounds was pretty small. So I went with another guy here who wasn't drafted and somebody I believe can put his way into at least the, the top 10 rounds of Debbie drafts. And that's KJ Jefferson out of Arkansas. I have him at quarterback 21. He is being not drafted right now out of 10 rounds. Um, so I, I, this is just a guy who brings fantastic size to the position. He's like 6'3", 240 pounds, incredibly powerful arm, um, athletic and mobile as well. He just feels very raw mechanically, and I get that. He, this guy who throws flat-footed, putting a lot of a lot of it on his raw arm talent. Um, my biggest concern is probably the turnover on the team. A lot of new faces at wide receiver, um, new offensive coordinator coming in, didn't have his best seasons at Maryland. A guy called Danny Nostin wasn't exactly the best there at Maryland, but it's not like KJJ has had a, a very stacked room uh, to play with all his years there. He's always kind of done it himself, a little bit of a rushing quarterback as well. I kind of think of him as the potential Hendon hooker of this class. Um, you know, probably a little bit more of a project and feel ready, a little bit older, but very similar skill set, um, very similar Maybe projected draft capital. There's some buzz hooker might be getting some first round, late first round capital now. So we'll see what happens with that. But I'm happy to at least take a shot on him within 10 rounds and see what happens. Another six year quarterback. I see. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> but, I, uh, is there is there a, any analytics that say six year quarterbacks are bad? I just think if the NFL wanted him the first, I don't know, a couple years, they would have told him. So, no, quarterback, I, quarterbacks are different though, man. Like they guys have to wait their turn. Guys have to, they move around and stuff like that. I don't ever really take that into consideration with quarterbacks, really, to be honest. I with mean, you. I do, unless there's like a transfer involved or like, you know, it's crowded. I'm talking about like the Alabama, Ohio systems. We can give those guys some breaks, you know, but yeah. All right. I'm just, it's fine. <laughs> it's quarterbacks. <laughs> I mean, there's like, there was one draft in the first round last year and maybe there's, there's four this year, maybe. Max, I mean, yeah. there's three, but whatever. Uh, I'm going on to Austin Novosad here. I, I did move up my rankings after this show, but I, I didn't want to move it up uh, until that was completed. But his ADP, Austin Novosad, true freshman, that's a part of Oregon, getting some great buzz, saying that he has a lot of zip on the ball over there. Go ahead and listen to Matt Bruning's spring practice reports on YouTube. Uh, you can get caught up on all the spring news. Uh, ADP. Quarterback 31 in my rankings, he is QB 21. I moved him up since then, but QB 21 entering the season. Uh, we just watched Bo Nix look fantastic, and Bo Nix looked pretty terrible over at Auburn. Now, Auburn did have a terrible coaching system, and, and there's just a whole bunch of excuses that you can give for him over there. I'm not going to push back on that at all. 
But if they can make Bo Nix look the way he looked this past year, I'm just excited for the next guy to take over at a young age and get the development early. So I'm pretty excited about Austin Novus out here at Oregon. They're building something special there. I assume they're going to be a top two Pac-12 team probably each year, maybe maybe top three, Washington, Oregon, and USC. But but it, it's it's those three teams in the Pac-12, and I'm pretty excited to see what he can do over there uh, after Bo Nix leaves. Yeah, he's an interesting guy who's had some some good buzz this offseason at least. Um, kind of see what happen, what will happen there at Oregon after after Bonix leaves if someone else comes in and kind of gives him some competition. But the reports have been strong about him so far, so maybe he's the guy the guy that's going to kind of be the next guy in line there. I'm not as aggressive with freshman quarterback, at least ones especially kind of out of that upper tier. So I think he's somewhere closer to, to quarterback, like 30 like closer to his ADP anyways, like closer to like QB 38 or something like that. So um, yeah, they, yeah. Are, they are volatile. It's a good point. It's a lot of risk when you're not grabbing those top, top guys. It is. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this is, this is pretty much what it is. We're, we are laying it out right here. You're either going to go for six year guys who are post type guys, or you're going to go for freaking freshmen who you think could have a, some upside at some point as well. Right. So those yeah. are the two guys you're really picking from after the top tier guys. And I, I, I do have to say this. I, I kind of said it earlier there's not a lot of quarterbacks drafted in the first round. I mean, there is, there's like max of five. And so if you're looking yeah. at like a three-year window, that's 15 guys you're really caring about each year. So, but anyway, yeah, yeah it's, it's very much on the sleeper scale here. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's get into the wide receiver position group here. Actually. Oh, are no. we going lower? Are you doing lower guys on oh, quarterbacks? No, I forgot. Yeah. Let's back it up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right, let's go on, guys. That we're lower than. I'll start off. Joe Milton, ADP is QB twenty. I have him down as QB sixty-seven. Uh, dude's got a cannon, which is good, which is cool. Uh, it's not really that special. Everyone can throw the ball far nowadays. It really depends if you can get into the right zip code. Uh, I probably shouldn't say that. All he knows is how to throw the ball hard. Like he can't. He he has like no touch on it. Like he like you could be five feet away. He's gonna put a hole through your chest. Like mm. it's okay, Joe. You don't need to do that to everybody. Uh, so he does have some nice deep throws there. Squirrel White definitely took off with him his one start there. It, he really benefits from uh, a system that lets a play develop because he can just kind of launch it. And if that ball has like two, three seconds of airtime, well, that's probably a lot. Two to three seconds of airtime. Like wide receivers can make a quite a bit of an adjustment in two seconds there to get to the right area. So I just think he's super raw along with the $8 million man behind him on the roster. I don't, I think he does have the full year to start, but you're talking about one year and I don't think he's, he has a lot, a lot of development to get done in one year. So I just don't believe it really happens. Yeah. And I mean, if anybody remembers Joe Milton before, Josh Heupel's offense it was not pretty like it was this was a guy that a lot of people we knew he had like the skill set but he just didn't look very good now granted he did look good in the system last year when he had his chance so maybe this one like you were saying is just a much more beneficial system to him a lot more vertical throwing the ball down the field that's kind of what he's going to be good at but I mean you're right he's got a guy behind him they are saying they're I mean they're not saying it but I mean I'm sure a lot of the boosters there would be happy to see Nico push for the for time already or by midway through the season or something like that so if he struggles maybe there maybe the that line isn't very long either so it, it's true it is a guy that i've been a little bit lower on than where he's going right now at least at qb20 but again early in the process we'll kind of see what happens there i'll go on to the guy that i think is going too high right now 
And that's uh, Shadur Sanders at Colorado. He's going at quarterback 26. I have him at quarterback 37. And sometimes I even feel like that's still too high. But I am giving him a little bit of, little bit of leeway here. He's making this transition. Like It's hard to take a lot away from where he was playing, right? The SWAC is a really low level of competition. But I get the excitement. This is prime son. Um, had a nice season last year as well. I just, when I was watching his tape last year, I thought, you know, very frantic in the pocket. Um, the ball flailed on him a lot too. Had a couple of ducks, especially when he's pushing the ball down the field. Um, I, I thought he was too quick to try to get out of the pocket as well. I just think there's going to be a really big learning curve, a bigger one than people are expecting, at least at a quarterback 26 six price right now. So I'm I'm taking a little bit of a wait-and-see approach with Shooter Sanders right now, and I'm not going to spend that, that, that type of capital on him. There, there's been prominent accounts calling him like the QB, like one in the class or QB, like three of the class. Yeah. Already. Like top it's five, like, top three guy, top two guy. It's insane. I mean, it's, that's it, insane, it, dude. he hasn't even done anything yet on power five level. It's a, it, the, the hype is getting just way too much for me. If you, if you have them and want to sell them, you should do that. <laughs> yeah. That's probably true too. But if you want to <laughs> CFF asset, I couldn't argue that, but yeah. as far as Debbie goes, I'm not really there for it. Uh, my next guy here is, is a post hype guy. I'm going to talk about, South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler ADP was QB 30. I have him at QB 53. Um, I'm, I'm just tired of it, dude. I remember last year he had one good game and PFF was like the comeback, you know, and it's like, no, it's not, it's not, it's not a comeback. He just had one good game, which is expected of him. I think his disappointment was, was pretty prominent at South Carolina last year. He didn't really elevate that offense as much as he should have. And he was benched at Oklahoma too. And now he had some really good competition behind him. That's Caleb Williams, you know, so you can't really fault him too much for that. Transferred over to the SEC. I thought that was a decent move. Goes to a decent program. It's certainly not – it's not Vandy, you know. So it goes to a decent program, the decent coaching staff. Um, and just looked pretty pretty mediocre again. So uh, I, I, I talked about how I rank players. I think there's guys that you know just aren't it, and there's just no point really holding on hope. And it, it, that's one of those guys. I just don't really believe in – he was once talked about as a first round QB at the NFL level. Then he got benched. I just don't believe people bounce back from that type of, that type of um, hit. I just don't. So, and there's all field stuff too. You got some attitude issues, uh, you know, obviously rumored on that, that locker room, but there's all field stuff too. I didn't really like, so he's not even really a locker room guy, which really kind of kills it for me too, as far as depth goes. Yeah, I mean, if you watch that old documentary on Netflix, like the QB1 documentary, where they followed yeah. Rattler through his high school career, he was like, he was getting into fights in his locker room and stuff like that. And he was like creating internal, like, I, which is good sometimes. You want to create internal competition, but almost a little bit too much. So I can see how mm -hmm. he, maybe he's not like the best locker room guy, maybe a little bit of a chip on his shoulder as well, a little bit of an yeah. attitude. I, I don't know. I can see some of those things. This Nobody, uh, I don't think anybody went to his birthday party. No, <laughs> but is it? <laughs> Is it crazy with the way everybody still talks about him, even draft accounts and stuff like that, that I think he's still going to be like a day two guy next year? I still think he's going to end up in like an okay position. I still think there's flashes there, I guess, that people buy into. He's he's awful decision maker at times. Sometimes his mental processing is really bad, but there's these flashes, man. Like I was even seeing some clips on uh, uh, someone yeah. posted on Twitter the other day where he, he does such a good job evading the pocket, climbs the pot or uh, evading the, um, the defender, climbs the pocket, nice dart down the field to a guy like threading it in between the needle. And I'm just like, these are the flashes that made people fall in love. And I, I think somebody's still going to fall. If we're loving Will Levis as a first round pick, someone's still going to love Rattler as a pick next year. He was fantastic in that Tennessee game, for example. And, and yeah. like those type of guys that have the tools, they'll flash them once in a while. And that's that's what the draft committee holds on to. First of all, the draft committee doesn't watch football until like the offseason. 
like before the draft, yeah. <laughs> my opinion. But but um, yeah, I, I, he did flash brilliance. I mean, 433 passing yards and six touchdowns against Tennessee. Like that's pretty yeah. amazing. Uh, but you know, then he has like terrible performances, like 118 yards against Georgia, 187 against Charlotte. I mean, yeah, well, they, they yeah. just they, that was unfair. They just they just pounded the ball on the ground the whole time. But but I, I they're disappearing acts, and so I just don't. Yeah. A very inconsistent player, you know. But I just I just have a feeling someone's still gonna buy into it. You know what I mean? But maybe um, like a late day three guy, like maybe maybe uh, maybe that, late maybe day practice three. squad. Yeah, I don't know, but maybe I don't know. I I'm still I still think he's at least a day two guy, but we'll see. Well, he's he's still got another season. We'll see what happens. But yeah, anyways, I'll go on to I'm gonna go on to my guy here, who I think is going a little bit too high right now, um, and that's FSU quarterback Jordan Travis. He's going at quarterback 19 right now. My ranking is quarterback 33, and I know he's kind of a trendy pick after after a season last year, uh, and maybe I'm kind of holding that 2021 against him a little bit, where he didn't really seize the starting job. Um, he struggled. He rotated with um, uh, Mackenzie Milton there during that year. I actually thought Mackenzie Milton looked better than him at times running (laughs) running the offense, at least in 2021. But that was was two years ago. Last year was a great year from him. Um, Adds an extra element on the ground as well. Took some steps forward as a passer. Um, So I think he does warrant a pick. Maybe just, you know... He feels like a long, a long shot to me. I don't see any defining traits from besides maybe like mobility, but there's also sometimes he's missing some wide open wide receivers. He's a fairly small guy too. He's listed just over six feet and 201 pounds. That, that really puts him in the danger room, uh, the danger zone of when he gets to the combine, if, if he's going to get those, when we get those official measurements, if he's going to actually hit that, is he going to come before he's going to come out? He doesn't seem like the biggest guy on tape. So I'm a little bit skeptical about that. It's a, and I'm a little bit skeptical about him being more than a project backup at the next level. So quarterback, you're getting into top 20 here at the quarterback that's showing a little bit of faith here that's a little bit too high for me i'm okay taking a shot at least you know to the back half uh, of the 10 rounds here in a debbie draft but quarterback 19 is a bit too high for me this is interesting so you picked three six-year qbs I, like these are all the guys that like these guys are debated like these guys are debated including um we didn't talk about we didn't really talk about bo nix and we didn't talk about like jalen daniels but like those are yeah. like the five Yes, six-year QBs that get talked about for Debbie reason. I might put a poll out tomorrow and just see what people favor the most out as six. Again, I think it's interesting, but I, I do think Jordan Travis is one of those guys that's you know hashtag unfinished business. Like I do think they could win the ACC, and I, I think they have an outside shot at the playoffs next year. I really do. So yeah, there's a lot of people that are very high on that team this year, and for good reason too. I mean, right? That's that's a lot of the people, and this is kind of the like the projecting thing we're talking about. Maybe people are projecting him to to really take another step forward this year, but you know, the size and some of the other things are, are still kind of holding me back. Yeah. Okay, now let's move on to the running back section. <laughs> uh, and if you guys can't tell, I, I told Corey, let's pick guys that we don't talk about too often here. I didn't really want to keep talking about the same Debbie assets. But um, so these guys aren't always like the highest we're on or the lowest, like the biggest gap. We just want to talk about guys we're not mm-hmm. always hitting on here. So let me go off with uh, someone that I'm higher on than ADP for running back. Uh, I'm going to start off with Kendrick Riscano, true freshman going to Ole Miss. His ADP is RB 47 in these drafts. And in my rankings, he is RB 31 as a true freshman. I believe he's my, actually my RB. Well, it would have been RB five, but thanks to Cam Selden coming back in, it pushes, it pushes Kendrick back <laughs> down to a RB six there in the class for me. Uh, the coach for Ole Miss Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin goes to high school games. I mean, he was there in person scouting, 
uh, Quinshawn Judkins. Uh, we all loved him. Obviously, Lane Kiffin loves him. Scoops him up. He's a he's a sensation. I'm almost banking on Lane Kiffin hitting twice here. I do think Reese Cano showcases a full, complete skill set. I've seen him pass. I've seen him outline about wide. He's got some wiggle going down the middle. He doesn't really always bounce stuff out wide the way some ultra athletes do. So he, he's someone that checks all the boxes. And then when I go to our athletic comparison tool at Campus Again, it shows that he's a pretty decent athlete too. So all the boxes are there. It's an SEC offense. Obviously, Judkins is the one. I'm not saying he's going to compete for that right out the gate. But I am now interested in the running back room at Ole Miss. Also, 47 running backs. I, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, Corey. But 47, 47 running backs. I, I don't think there's 46 guys that have higher upside than him. I really don't. I, I really do think he should be in the 30s for a lot of people. So I, I'm pretty high on Kendrick Reese Connell against them in uh, consensus. Yeah, I mean, we just saw the last freshman breakout there. So, I mean, this guy, he's already proven that he's not afraid to give a, fr- a freshman some running time as well. And, I mean, even if he ends up with, like, what Zach Evans did last year, I mean, that's still pretty good. So, I mean, I think we both agree Judkins is probably going to command most of the offense. He's proven he can handle it at least. But they still they still had a lot of work left over for other running backs. So, he, we could see a lot from him this year. Um, I will move on to my first guy. Um and I'm going to talk about a, a little running back over at Maryland called Roman Hemby. He's going as RB36 right now. I actually have him as RB24. I think he's being a little bit underrated right now. I think he he broke out last year. Um, he's in a system that feeds him the ball a lot at Maryland as well. Excelled as a rusher and as a pass catcher. I mean, he only failed uh, to catch a ball in one. Uh, I mean, um, he didn't catch a ball in one game all season. Like, So he had a catch in every single game except for one. He maybe lacks a little bit of play strength. Um, maybe a little bit of top end speed, but I mean, he really impressed me with some of his vision, some of his patience. Um, he brings a solid size to the table as well. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of Evan Hall, which is obviously isn't a glowing endorsement, but this is a guy who's a lot younger in his career than Evan Hall was. Uh, um, so I think he still has a lot of ways to, to get higher, but he still, he wins in similar ways. He has the upside to improve given he's only really going into his second season of starting. So uh, I'm pretty excited to see what Roman Hemby can kind of come with. He's a nice value right now. You can get him at the back end of your drafts, really avoiding all the, those high picks you spend on freshmen and stuff like that. This is just a guy you can pick in your 10th or ninth round right now. And I think there's some upside there. I like that. He did. He did break out. He is being overlooked. I think me and you are having ranked right next to each other, actually, in the mm. rankings, um, which, by the way, also was fun looking at our rankings. Uh, so I was getting called out for my rankings for some players uh, in some other show. So I had to get them. So I went on our, our website, uh, campscan.com and looked at our rankings. I just thought it was cool seeing some guys that me and Corey are clearly like together on. And then the two co-hosts of Campus Life, which is Austin and Colin, <laughs> were totally out on the player. So it was like. Anyway, it was just funny. It gets kind of wild. Yeah, the Devi Guide rankings should be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we nailed them too because there's guys yeah. I'm too high on and shouldn't be. Uh, like, for example, like Kanata Mumfield, which all yeah. you guys downvoted for us. It so, creates so. a good balance. It's good to have that much differing opinions. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me go on to mine, a guy I'm high on here. CJ Donaldson, running back out of West Virginia University. His ADP is RB41. I have him RB15 right now. That's too late, man. 41 is way too late. 41 actually really is late. He's 240. He was extremely efficient. I don't remember his yards per carry off the top of my head. Something like above six, maybe in the sevens. He played terrible competition, though. When you look at who he played, it was bad competition. Holes were pretty big. 
But I, I liked his patience. I liked how fast he hit the holes and the acceleration he hit it with. And the fact that he's 240 pounds, like these these lower school guys couldn't tackle. They couldn't bring him down. It was a shame I couldn't see him play against better competition before injury. Um, but I, he's someone I'm interested in. I think he may be on the spectrum of Braylon Allen. I really do think that. Uh, but we just haven't seen him play against that competition. And he's uh, tight end converted. I think he's got better hands than Braylon Allen. So that's a little bit mm-hmm. of upside there for him. But uh, and WVU, like mass exodus of players through the draft, through the transfer portal. Uh, new coaches are there. I totally forgot who the new coach is there, but or new OC. But he should be the focal point of his offense. Like there shouldn't be a question about opportunity for him. He has a stranglehold on the RB one position there. There's, I mean, there's, there's just no debate that anyone's like. What was it, General? It was Mathis. I almost said General Mathis. Tony, uh, Tony, like, Tony Mathis Jr. Yeah, which who I was in on a little bit for CFF leagues, but he was wildly unimpressive, man. Yeah, and it, and CJ Nelson stole the show from him early, early on. So I think yeah. that should be put to bed. I mean, easily put to bed. So uh, I think CJ Johnson. I definitely have him ranked very, very highly. This is very risky. Like, even looking at RB fifteen, I kind of tell myself that's like well, that's too high. <laughs> like, gotta back <laughs> that off. But I, I think for the upside that you may get out of this player, I think this is the risk that you want to take. And I haven't seen him go like. I think I'm the one that always snags him in these mock drafts, and it's usually like round <laughs> round eight or round nine. So, yeah, we're gonna like destroy the value for like our favorite players because like we're like, why aren't they getting drafted? We have to draft them now. Like, <laughs> so we're like gonna destroy the value on some of yeah. these guys. But yeah. but no, I, I I made the mistake of um, not paying attention to Braylon Allen early in, in his career, just thinking, oh, this is a big guy who's getting success behind a good Wisconsin line. Um, not somebody who, who should really be on my radar. And I missed out on a bunch of shares because of that guys picking them up off the wire and in those C2C leagues. And I missed out on a lot. And when you're 240 pounds, you're breaking away at rates like this. I, I know that there's a lot of things that line up that say, you know, bad competition. There was a lot of open holes there, but this is intriguing enough that you have to take a shot on it at some point, at least by RB 25, at least by RB 30, but RB 41, like that's, that's, that's just too far back. So I'm with you on that one. I don't have him as high as RB 15, but um, I like that call out there. I'm going to go over to my next one. This one is definitely a, my guy situation. Okay. I don't even know where you guys have him ranked. I haven't looked. I assume you guys don't have him ranked very highly. This is a guy that I've talked about a little bit on the show. I've talked about a little bit more on Twitter and some of my articles I've written around as well. But that's Syracuse running back LaQuint Allen. He has no ADP right now. He's going undrafted. Um, but I really like what I saw in sports from him last year. Athleticism, uh, pass catching ability, versatility, the vision he has. He's a little slender at 195 pounds, but he's only going into his sophomore season. He's a true sophomore last year. He has a six foot frame that can easily add the pounds as well. He really gives me Rashad White vibes. Another guy who came to Arizona State, sub 200 pounds, checked in at 240 pounds two years later at the combine. I hope that's in LaQuint Allen's uh, um, um future as well but i see a lot of the same versatile uh, skill set you know they, they win in similar ways same same versatility same knack for big plays with limited volumes early in their careers you know i see that slasher running style from them so i definitely think this is a guy that you guys should be watching i think when the reports are coming out that he's number the number one guy this guy very impressive bowl game last year um caught like 11 passes almost ran for 100 yards as well when those reports start coming out in the spring that he's the number one running back at Syracuse taking over Sean Tucker's role, I think his, his ADP is going to climb right now, but he's definitely a guy you should be taking a shot on within the first 10 rounds. I have him higher than you. 
Do you actually yeah, <laughs> see all my all my talking? And I I recently I think actually moved them down a little bit, but now I'm mad. Now I have to move them up a little bit. I just I have some big names in the back because I've talked about how I'm just out on some big names. Yeah, but, so yeah, addition I, by subtraction, I guess, kind of. Thing. Yes, like, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have them RB forty seven. Oh no, I have them RB thirty one. I didn't even say my ranking yet. Oh, my bad. Yeah, my bad. yeah. See, thank you, thank you. I have them at a running back thirty one. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No. Then. Yeah. That's that's pretty high. Uh, let me go on to mine now. I'm gonna go on to yeah. Who were lower on than ADP here? Uh, this is um. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna talk about Ruben Owens. Ruben Owens ADP is RB14. Ooh. He was the RB1 in many recruiting services. I think that switched over to Cedric Baxter and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Uh, towards down the stretch here. Uh, so ADP RB14. My ADP is RB31. Ruben Owens is a he's a fine running back. I think he's I think he's good. I just I can't get past the age. He's 20 years old. I know me and Corey talked about it before. As, as a as a male, you grow up. You grow up until probably about 18, 19 years old. Once you hit like anatomy 19, lesson with Mike now. Here we go. Yeah, what, oh yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I started hitting the gym when I went to college, like like every other dude. When I every other dude, but like some dudes, and I didn't really start growing out until like my sophomore year, which was when I was 19 years old. Dudes turned 20. I mean, I don't really. He's not. He's not small. I just don't – I'm sorry. I don't really have any really analytical stuff here to say besides I just don't see it. I don't see the upside in it. I think he's a fine running back. I think he'll be a great CFF producer. But if I had to say 10 years from – well, not 10 years, three years from now, who's top five running backs in this class, I don't think he's in that conversation. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, you've you've expressed your concerns about him. They're they're well documented. Um, it's it's the age factor. It's a lot of the, some maybe lack of a defining trait for you. You know, I see a lot of good things though. I see a guy who can catch the ball really well. I see a guy who has some speed and some quickness to his game. I see a guy who's going to a good situation at a at a good program as well. So I I don't know. I'm definitely a little bit higher on him. Are we thirty? What's that? Good program. Why not? Texas a Well, it's an SEC school. I mean, I, the, the, I mean, he still gets the same mark. If I'm marking on my grading sheet for level of program, he's still getting the same mark as somebody at Georgia or something. No, that's at, I'm, I'm just making fun yeah. of the record. But yeah, they, no, they, yeah. they play some tough, tough competition. And when you're successful against SEC competition, you gotta, you gotta take note. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see what happens with him there. RB31 is a little bit deep. I don't think I'm, I don't even know if I'm at RB14. I might be a little bit back in, like more like 17 or 18 or something like that. But I'm definitely a little bit higher on him uh, than that. I will go to the guy that I'm first low on. This is a trendy name in, in the community right now, and that's Oregon running back Bucky Irving. His ADP right now is running back 32, which I actually thought would be higher. I think it's going to end up higher. I have him all the way down at RB42, and I'm going to get into why. You know, I understand why everybody's like giddy about him. Um, really decent uh, freshman season at Minnesota after Trayson Potts and Mohamed Ibrahim went down. Um, Got some time at the back end of that playing season. Put up some pretty decent stats. Big breakout last year at Oregon. Um, very versatile as well. Had like a lot of pa- uh, 30 catches, something like that. Does a lot of things well. He's really slippery in space. Can change direction really well. But some of the things, you know, I, I don't love the size. Obviously, this is a guy going into his third year already. Only listed at 194 pounds. Getting a little bit worried if he's going to be able to hit the threshold we want to see by the time we want to see it now. Didn't really get used much in that short area, uh, red zone goal line situations last year as a rusher as well. Only five rushing touchdowns on the year. So he wasn't really being used that way. Um, He's definitely like a versatile asset who I think is going to play on Sundays. I just, I'm slightly leaning towards cop uh, a change of pace role with him right now. You know, someone in like the vein of a Kenny Gainwell right now. So I think he deserves a shot. I think he deserves to be drafted within 10, 
10 rounds of a Debbie draft, but RB 32 is just a little bit high for me right now, given what I think his projection might be at the next level. Yeah. I, I've been, I think I mentioned a few times, I think we should talk about him more often than we have. We're yeah. pretty close actually. I have him at 39. So you have him at 42. Yeah. Okay. I, I think he can be an NFL pass catching running back. I really do. Um, which is fine. I just don't really target those guys for fantasy. Uh, they, they may or may not have one big season and then they typically kind of disappear and you put them in your flex and you get disappointed sometimes. Anyway, whatever. I don't yeah. really like pass catching running backs. Um, but I, I do think he's in that tier. And of course, you know, by next year, we're going to be in debates on whether he can be a workhorse running back. And then we're going to start bringing up CEH and then Jameer Gibbs yeah. is going to take off. And then we're going to be like, well, if Gibbs can do it and Bucky can do it. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think, um, I think you know that there. My next guy here, I'm too, I'm lower on the consensus like by a lot. Is uh, Rasheen Ali? His ADP mm-hmm. is RB29. I have him down as RB68. Uh, he's just a smaller guy. I kind of view him more similar to like Sincere McCormick, who went undrafted, undrafted or fifth rounder. I can't really remember. Yeah, I can't um, remember, but yeah, not not making any waves. That's for sure. Didn't touch. Yeah, I think he's like already off the team. I'm not really sure, but I, I think he went to the Raiders. Um, I think he's just fast. He plays poor competition. G5 running backs. Uh, I posted a thread the other day, which I will pull up in a little bit, uh, saying about, like, they don't get drafted. They don't get draft capital. Uh, the last, like, second-round running back or earlier was Rashad Penny. That was, like, five years ago from the G5. He hasn't worked out. And then before that, I think you got to go all the way back to 2012 where you have a first-rounder in Doug Martin. Otherwise, it's just a lot of third-rounders that haven't done anything outside of Kareem Hunt. Uh, so there's just not a wave of success of G5 running back. It's just really, really very rare. And I I don't see any NFL trades in Rashid Ali's game. I think he's just a CFF producer, and you only got one more year left of him anyway. So, Yeah, and it's funny that you even bring up Sincere McCormick because I think one of the first tweets I ever put out about Rashid Ali was, I said, is this the Devi community's new Sincere McCormick? And I meant exactly that, a guy that – People are a little bit too high on coming from the G5. That is not going to get the draft capital that everybody's expecting. He's he's a decent player. He is. He, he's got some speed. Um, he navigates his level of competition very well. He's a pass catcher as well, so he does some decent things. But we also saw last year when he missed last year, they put in Kalen LeBourne, who was a very good prospect as well, boy, back in the day. But this this guy, Kalen LeBourne, he's going to go undrafted this year. I don't even think he was invited to the Combine. Um, he put up a monster season just filling in for him. So are we looking at more like the system is really the, the factor here? That's a, How much of this is actually Ali doing it compared to what the system is allowing him to do against this level of competition, right? So I'm definitely lower. When you're talking G5, you're always talking about a long shot anyway. So I'm on, yeah. I'm on board with you there. I don't know if I'm... RB 68 deep, but I am deep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I do have the tweet here. So 2021, 22, no G5 grafted. 2020, you had Darrington Evans. Remember the next Alvin Kamara? He's mm-hmm. off the team already. <laughs> yeah. um, then you got to go down to 2019. Darrell Henderson, third rounder, backup, uh, not on a team anymore. Devin Singletary, he had two RB2 seasons, third rounder. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Madison, backup. 2018, Penny, we already talked about. 2017, Kareem Hunt. 16, yeah, you're already six years back already. You know what I yeah, mean? 2015, yeah, 2015, none. And then you got 2014, Jerry McKinnon, who kind of spot star here and there. Uh, yeah. Dre Archer, who not didn't really do anything. 2013, none. And then 2012, and you had Doug Martin. Uh, and then three more guys didn't do anything. So, anyway, it's just G5. It's, um, it's a graveyard for running backs. It's just probably should just go somewhere else. 
Yeah, you're you're really aiming from deep if you're going to bank on a G5 running back, at least earlier in your drafts. But um, my, I'm on, going to go ahead. I'm, so, I'm sorry to hit this again. My highest G5 running back actually is uh, Ashton Genty. I think I have him right I next think, to Marquise Irving as a pass catching back at the next level. That you, We are actually, I think, pretty close in that, if I'm not mistaken. I think Ashton Genty is my highest G5 running back. Yeah, RB42. Well. So, yeah. but love him. Love him. I think I only have like maybe three or four in my top 50. 60 70 as it is to be honest with you maybe yeah. there's three but yeah anyways I'll, I'll go on to my next guy here um this one was a little bit weird to me because maybe there's just a few people that believe this but i, I i'm talking to talk about oklahoma running back gavin sawchuk okay his adp right now through four mocks rb26 i'm not sure i should have checked in with pd how many how many times he was actually drafted i don't know if someone else is just maybe thinking he's going to be the lead role, but his ADP is actually higher than Javante Barnes right now, who I think is going to, you know, kind of be the guy there though. And I can say, he's got to be Nate Marquise. He's got to be in those Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or Matt, Brun, or Matt, or Matt Bruning. He's a, he's a big Gavin Sawchuck guy yeah. too. I know. Right. But um, my concerns with him are pretty simple though. It's he's listed at 185 pounds, but I will say according to Nate just today, earlier today, he is up to 195, which is a very nice increase from last year. I want to see if that weight holds. I want to see what happens. Um, that would definitely be a, a step in the right direction. Cause at least if we're seeing 10 years, 10 pounds this year, then I have faith in him, maybe getting another five, maybe getting another five after that. Then I'm, then I'm starting to feel a little bit better about him, but this is also a guy only appeared in two games last year. Yes. One of them was the nice bowl, bowl game where he broke off some nice, some nice, uh, nice gains on it on 15 attempts. I believe he had hundred yards, um, performed a little bit better than Barnes as well. But, um, I I truly believe that Barnes is going to be the guy. They trusted him with the bigger workload last year. He was active for like all the games last year. And I don't think Sawtrucks is a bad player. I just think you have to put a lot of faith in him to rank him at RB26, which is just feels way too high right now. That's not something that I'm willing to do. All right, let's head on over to the wide receiver group here. Uh, I'm going to lead us off here on this one on who I'm high on. I'm going to start off with um, I'm higher on Lorenzo Styles. Uh, a guy that I had too high last year. I, I think Corey, Corey, I, yep. think I had him like, <laughs> I think you still I have him like, too high. <laughs> uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll see. Yeah. I had him like wide receiver 13, I believe at my highest. Uh, I now have him at wide receiver 29 and his ADP is wide receiver 58. Uh, he still has, you know, beat the year one zero. He's still a top 20 recruit. Uh, last year's passing offense was uh, terrible. Under Tyler Buckner, they finally get a quarterback in Sam Hartman. And so we're going to talk a lot more about Lorenzo Styles on next week's episode, which I'll tease later. But this is his last chance. I think the system around him is all good. There's no other variables affecting his game. He should be the wide receiver one in the system. It's going to be on him to make it happen. But at wide receiver 29 for what he was perceived to possibly be after his freshman year, I'm fine taking the bounce back at uh, wide receiver 29. Yeah, you know, there is some upside here, I guess. This is a guy that I have more so around where his ADP is right now, somewhere around 50 or 60. Just not a guy who's done a lot. Not a guy that's really impressed me on tape that much either. But there is some upside here with Sam Hartman coming in. Maybe there's more consistency to the pass game. Maybe him being the most you know experienced guy, at least in the system, will will aid to some some nice production for him. But I'm just not sure I see much much here with him to be honest but i mean we'll we'll see what happens <laughs> that's this guy you're, you're kind of higher on but uh i have him definitely around his adp but anyways i, I will uh, go ahead sorry no i i just 
you can be wrong and embarrass yourself later on. That's fine. Yeah, okay, fine. That's fair. Yeah, I will move on to my guy that has been a steady climber for me over the offseason, and that's heading back over to Tennessee. Talk about wide receiver Squirrel White. He's got an ADP of wide receiver 41. I actually have him uncomfortably high at wide receiver 28. Um, and this is this is a guy who filled in for that Jalen Hyatt role when Hyatt was pulled out of games uh, late in blowouts or when Hyatt missed the bowl game as well. And I think that's really part of it. I think his value is going to skyrocket once he's catching those 70-yard bombs from Joe Milton every Saturday. You know, I don't think that role in that offense is going to change. All signs point to White is going to be taking it over. And I know he's small right now, okay? He's 5'10", um, listed at 160 pounds. I'm eager to see if he can if he's going to add weight this year or whatever. Um only entering his second season. Last year was his true freshman season. Has elite speed. You know, we don't even love Hyatt that much, okay? But that elite speed might earn him first-round draft capital. So if I take Squirrel as wide receiver 28, and he ends up being a first-round pick, even a second-round pick, I think that's a win every day. Draft capital equals opportunity. So I think I'm perfectly content with at least a top 30 ranking on Squirrel White. Yeah, this is this is one of those debates that I talk about where I'm like, I don't see the success, but I can see the route to draft capital. And I can't mm-hmm. argue he's fast and that he can get the draft capital, but he's just going to be a field stretcher to me. And outside of like Will Fuller and Marquise Brown, I don't really know too many field stretchers that have been like successful consistently. Um, but any, anyway, it, yeah, I, I, I like that call out. He will be productive too. Uh, my next guy here is going to be uh, Chris Marshall. His ADP is wide receiver 25. My rankings have him at wide receiver 15. He has that that alpha build. He goes to Ole Miss. Ole Miss loses Mingo and Heath, their top two pass catchers, to the NFL draft. So there's opportunity there. It's an SEC offense. Uh, Chris Marshall was a pretty good profile coming out of high school. He only played football for two years. Was a I can't remember if he was a borderline four star or five star. Borderline um, five star. Was he not a five, five star actually? I don't even know. I, I don't know he was like wide receiver five in that class, but yeah. yeah, with only playing football for two years. And he beat the year one zero mold before. Um, I'm not sure, suspended from the team or dismissed from the team, whatever. Put in the doghouse at Texas AM for stuff that's really not issues off field. You just look at it and you're like, oh, that's just an 18 year old kid being an 18 year old kid. Uh, so goes to Ole Miss, gets that restart, but definitely a great opportunity at Ole Miss for him. So I, I still see the upside there for him. I think he's being a little undervalued out of recency bias for the other freshmen. Yeah, and this is one that we've talked off air. This is one that we were in lockstep on a little bit here. I also have him like as a top 15 wide receiver. He was a five-star wide receiver, actually, that I'm looking at, by the way. Wide receiver three in his class. So, I mean, yeah. for a guy who didn't even play football until his junior season in high school, I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. And he even did more than we expected to see him do last year. And now he's going to, you know, the great situation, like you were saying. So, yeah, I really like that call. Um, I expect him to be a climber uh, throughout the season. Um now I'm heading over to a different guy, a guy I know that you're just going to love because he's older, <laughs> but I'm heading over to Washington and I'm going to talk about their wide receiver, Romo Dunze. Um, mm-hmm. His ADP right now is wide receiver 36, which is getting down there. My ranking is actually at wide receiver 22. And I know we, we did talk about them briefly last week and that was kind of the theme not to do that again, but this is just something that I thought maybe deserved a closer look at. I think him and McMillan should be closer. And that was kind of where we were at too. We had them both like three spots away from each other. And McMillan is closer to the twenties for wide receiver and ADP. And I, I just think Romo Dunze brings a lot of nice things to the table as well. He's got size. He's got hands. He's got a little bit of versatility. He's more like your prototypical outside wide receiver who can, you know, win in multiple ways. I just, I just think also the 2024 class at wide receiver 
has a lot up in the air right now. I think another strong season is really going to put his name into contention for at least a top 10 wide receiver spot. I think right now he's wide receiver seven for next year for me. And I really think he could be like my Cedric Tillman of this class. You know, the analytics might not line up perfectly, still a little bit raw in some areas, but I think he has enough intrigue here that he's going to warrant a day two selection. That's so offensive to Cedric Tillman. Better take what? that back. Wow, he's got a Cedric Tillman arguably has a worse profile than Romo Dunze. That's fine, but as a player on tape, I think Tillman does a lot more. T- it's, um, Dunze is soft for how big he is. He has no yak ability. He's He doesn't break tackles. I don't know if I would agree with that. I don't think he's that soft. I think he's shown some physicality, especially at the catch point. There ain't no dog in him. It's a cat. Yeah. It's a cat. Where's that on my on my grading sheet, the dog in him? Yeah, we need <laughs> a should, category I'll for lower that. that. I'll lower that down. <laughs> Um, no, but I, I do think and this is okay. So for like the fifth time this show, Odunze to me is one of those guys that I think gets draft capital. I'm just not holding my breath. He does anything I like, like third rounders last year, like last year's third rounders, right? Bayless Jones, Jalen Tolbert, David Bell, Danny Gray. I mean, like it's, mm-hmm. you want second round draft capital. And that's, that's what I, I don't think Rome really gets, but I, I think he gets, if someone says they think he's a third rounder, I would agree. I would hundred percent agree. I think he goes to the senior bowl. I think he, does fine all the way across the board, has a productive year again. Like nothing surely changed for him. So I think it's like a safe bet to make it there. I just don't know what he does the next level. I think he's at least a late third rounder next year. And I think he's a round two pick in drafts next year for, for rookie mocks, for rookie drafts. I like it. It's hot. It's really hot. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about it for the Debbie yeah. guy. <laughs> don't uh, let me wrong. Don't let me down, Odunze. <laughs> yeah, let's go on, guys, that were lower on than consensus. I wrote one down here, by the way, that I don't really feel confident talking about because I actually upped him up last night. But anyway, I'm going to start off with Dane Key. His ADP is wide receiver 12. Uh, before <laughs> my recent update, I have him as wide receiver 56. Um, I get that he came in hot. He was an early enrollee for Kentucky. Kentucky had really nobody on the offense. As soon as Barry and Brown comes in, Dane kind of takes a background role until the bowl game. It's a bowl game, though. Uh, so he loses touches pretty fast. I think Barry should be the one there. Dane should be the two. I know the analytical guys love Dane. I really know. I know that for a fact. Every analytical guy thinks he's like top five, top ten in the class. But I, I think he has a complimentary skill set. I just I don't think he's. I don't think he can develop into being a route runner. I think he can just. He's going to be more of a basic route tree type of guy with good receiver play a reliable two, three for a college offense. And he's going to transition to the NFL and maybe be a reliable three. So again, I think someone that I think it's a safe bet to get like third round draft capital, maybe fourth round worst case scenario. Um, but somebody I don't think is going to do much at the pro level. But again, this is a true freshman. I mean, I'm, this is like, this is very early for me to be out on a guy. So I, I this one could really bite me in the butt. I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand that this is the risk of projecting, especially a guy that's shown that he can be successful in an sec. Well, the first couple games aren't SEC competition, but he showed he could be successful <laughs> uh, in this offense. So it's this is kind of a my ranking is too low. Sure, I, like I think it's a safer bet to get better draft capital, and he can develop in college. Um, I just think there's a lot better options out there for upside. Yeah, and I think even you know looking at your rankings when you're kind of doing them and just kind of talking to you over the past year now too, you definitely like you prefer higher upside players than higher floor players, and it's a, there's a chance Dainty is kind of coming off the page at least right now as a higher floor player than someone who maybe has a massive ceiling. 
I think that's kind of like the way I would view him right now. Somebody who couldn't be a, a nice number two, a nice Robin to a Batman or something like that somewhere down the line. I have him closer to like wide receiver 30. I do give him some some credibility for the freshman production for doing that. But uh, I'm eager to see how he capitalizes on it uh, and can continue it going forward. But um, I will move on to the first guy that I am going to be low on. And this probably comes as no surprise to somebody that me and you have talked about, I think, in the past but I'm going to talk about uh, USC wide receiver Mario Williams. He's got an ADP of wide receiver 21 right now, and I am ranking him at wide receiver 33, and it, he might even be trending downwards, honestly. He's continuing to trend in the wrong direction for me. He, he comes in as this high-profile tr- uh, transfer from Oklahoma with Caleb Williams. Um, we all think it's going to equal to big things. Ends up being incredibly inconsistent. Um, even with Jordan Addison missing games and stuff, finished third on the team in receiving, I believe, and was only a few yards away from finishing as the fourth. USC brings a load of talent at wide receiver, like we've talked about many times this offseason, from the freshmen, from portals. So, I mean, there's 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 enough talent there already as well that I just don't see how William fits into. Well, if he couldn't break out in last year's room, I don't know how he's going to break out in this one either. I'm just I'm incredibly skeptical of his potential production. And this is already a smaller wide receiver with with not a lot to hang his hat on. So full fade for me at wide receiver 21. My next, well, actually, no, I, I'm with you, Barry, with, uh, not Barry, excuse me, with Mario Williams. I'm there with you on that. I don't, I don't like, and in the news right now, it's all about Zachariah Branch. Like there's yeah. not even like off season buzz about there's him. There's no so buzz I, on him at all. He's going to disappear into the night. Yeah. He's going to disappear. Um, let's get into my, Next lower on. Now, this is a guy I've already adjusted, uh, but Keon Coleman, ADP, or Michigan wide receiver, by the way, was their wide receiver one, outproduced Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed is a guy considered by many to be a fringe day two guy. We'll see. I think I gave him a fourth round grade, early fourth, so I think he's also a fringe day two guy. Um, but Keon Coleman outproduced him at Michigan State. He's like, what, six foot four, 200? He's like one of those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's he's got the alpha size, which typically I favor in my rankings. But um, you're one zero. Uh, I have him down as wide receiver seventy five. I moved him up from there. Um, I watched mm. tape. I was I was ready to write my name down on his name on uh, for the Debbie guide. <laughs> Didn't see him, or I thought I saw him. It was late at night. I guess I wrote down my name next to Kevin Coleman, and then uh, Dwight brought it up the next day. So I'll be like, all right. Well, that's it. I guess I watched the tape for no reason. Well, not no reason. I got to learn more about his game. I, I think he's really just a jump ball guy. Like I really do. I know Peyton Thorne's not the best quarterback there at Michigan State, um, but I, I, there wasn't like a lot of separation. He's just an alpha, and I don't think he's uh, that special of an athlete to be like considered a. Um, like a Michael Pittman or a Michael Thomas or how we talk about Cedric Tillman. I don't think he's going to test as well as they would athletically. So usually those alpha guys are a little bit more pigeonholed rather than featured unless they're, they're better athletes. So I, I don't think Coleman's really that hot of a guy the way like why are her 25, like why are her 25 is you're expecting big things out of him in the NFL level. Mm. Like, I think that's, like you're expecting some good upside there. I don't think he has that upside. I do think he gets drafted. I just don't think he's he's not going to be the feature piece in an offense for me. So, 
No, I think that's completely fair. He's actually a guy that I myself have on my offseason list that I do have to go look into a little bit. And there's a lot of guys that are kind of high on him, like uh, Dwight Peoples, who is a Michigan State fan, if I am correct. By the way. He's, joining, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's joining us on the Debbie Guide this this year uh, writing as well. He wants to mark him as his my guy, so he must be pretty high on him as well. Somebody but I probably have to look at the, at the tape a little bit more. This, this is where it comes from, like I was talking about with the process, where I need to – I have the other things, the Debbie profile, all that. I need to get more of a film evaluation for me to feel more confident. Confidently, I don't even know if I have him ranked right now, to be honest, because I might not have that confident feel on him yet. But gotcha. um, yeah, I, yeah, I got him. I got him tier six, and tier six for me is labeled as a uh, fringe day two projects, possible, possible NFL complimentary piece. That's, that's yeah. What I got him as. So definitely on my list to go to go look after. But um, one guy that I do have some pretty conf- uh, confident analysis on um, that I think is going a little bit too high right now is going to be Texas freshman wide receiver DeAndre Moore. Who has a wide receiver? Who has an ADP of wide receiver twenty eight? Um, and this one might just be a little bit more about my preference to be a little bit less aggressive with freshmen as well, especially you know the guys who aren't really in that top tier of freshmen. Who I, I, I'm fine with being a little bit more aggressive about. But DeAndre starts falling a little bit lower. Um, you know, I'm I'm especially worried about his year one zero prospects, considering the Adonai addition, considering Nayor's returning now, like we were talking about in the news, considering the buzz Jonte Cook is already getting. Um, so that means the value probably drops pretty significantly next year in rankings. So while I do think he's a good player, shows some nice ability, nice route runner, um, will be a really nice replacement for Winnington in the slot. I think he's going to be a lot cheaper by this time next year. I'd rather not lose the value here by being overly aggressive with him when I. I'm projecting him to maybe not have that great of a season this year and be a lot more of a value next year to get him. I personally right now though, have him at wide receiver 51. I got him at 53. Oh, see, so we're <laughs> actually pretty close. Look at that. Look at yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I do want to, <laughs> I do want to ask you if, if AD Mitchell didn't transfer, where would you think you had him? Cause I, I was, a. will just talk about him first. I was a fan of DeAndre Moore as a, as a recruit. I think I had him as a, t- I definitely had him as a top 15 freshman coming in. I thought his skill set was very similar to Khalil Shakir, uh, kind of like body catches, but I thought he was a playmaker in the space and was really reliable as a route runner too. Like not not top tier, but definitely had some some ability to him and some quick feet and some good good hit flexibility. Uh, I really liked I really liked his Louisville landing spot. I can't believe he went to Texas for how crowded it is, but. I think I had him before Texas. I think I had him like wide receiver 35 in that category. So I was wondering if where would you have had him if AD Mitchell didn't transfer there? Maybe if he if he just altogether stayed at Louisville, where do you think you would have had him? Well, I mean, earlier in this process too, we were also hearing that Xavier Worthy was thinking of transferring. We were then yeah. Donnie Mitchell hadn't transferred there yet either. So this room was looking a lot more open. I was a lot more hopeful for uh, freshman wide receivers from Texas coming in as well. Plus Whittington could have went to the draft as well. This room was almost looking completely open and now all of a yeah. sudden it looks very crowded. So yeah, that is part of the reason he's dropped down a lot for me as well. He probably would be higher than this, but again, I am pretty reserved with, with freshmen as well. I don't know how much higher he would have been this as is for me. He, he wouldn't have approached like top 30 or like whatever he's going as like wide receiver 28. Like that's just too high for me. He would have, you know, maybe in the forties if he was lucky, but, but yeah, that, that definitely played an effect on it. All right, Corey, that's going to that's gonna wrap it up. We, we are not going to be doing tight ends, guys. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> we're getting back to our roots. We're not spending time on a position group that we only really care about eight guys at the next level. Uh, there's just too many people that put out – there's just too much energy gets put into tight ends, man. It's, it's stressful. I mean, 
all the false hope, like like Hunter Long, Brevin Jordan, Cole Komet, Adam Troutman, Irv Smith. Like this list goes on of guys that have been hyped up in the offseason. I'm just mm-hmm. me and Corey are just not trying to do that. Corey's got like a little kid, man. He doesn't want to. <laughs> I don't got I don't got time guy. for tight ends. I don't got time for yeah, tight ends. Dude, he's got to <laughs> focus on floors lava. So. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> so uh, please, guys, join us again next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about last chance players, guys that have, for one way or another, disappointed us in the first two years. And we are, we are, you know, this close, you know, like this close to being out on them. Just for example, Lorenzo Styles. He's going to be talked about next week for that. Like guys that are like that. By, by week four, we're going to know if we're in or out on them anymore. <laughs> so next week, join us for last chance players. And please rate review the show um a lot of guys at the site put in so much hard work these little reviews that we get from now and then as a huge morale booster makes us feel really good about ourselves too uh but also like it's constructive too so like let us know if you don't like something about the show just give us a five star but let us know if you want something to change about the shows uh and if you if you're not sure you want to wait rate and review the show just wait till next week wait until next week and join us when we talk about last chance players from Corey and mike good night and good luck